weirdness. I don't, I, I, I didn't really know what to make of that. I think on, on my first blush of hearing that, I thought, well, things are getting ready to explode. And we are really transitioning as, as Abram did to Abraham. That was another great transition where he, he was then being given a commissioning for the nations in a way that was beyond what he knew as Abram. We've been, we were living that. We, we continue to live it. It's not gone away. But um, those points of breakthrough then brought this, this massive shift in the timetable of God and what's happening internationally, what's happening nationally. And we've seen this. And, and, and with that, we have, we've felt many of the things that Elijah was saying there. There's a reflection back on, on you know, what a, what a, the feeling, as it were, in the midst of this transition. The same, mo, the same feeling that Moses um, expounded upon. The same, the same feelings that so many of the, the, the great men and women of God in the Scripture felt in those moments of transition. I think that the atmosphere of transition is replete with this to begin with. It's self-reflection, it's refinement, it's adjustment, it's, it's adding to and developing us in ways that we've not been developed for what's coming. It, it really is steps of faith in the integral parts of who we are, in the most intimate, uh, central parts of what God has made us to be. And so when when Elijah first felt this and began to enunciate it, then God graciously did this demonstration. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny because it really is, in the first place, you see that the Lord passed by, which is very similar to what happened with Moses when Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock under the hand of God. But then you have three things that happen. You know, you've got, you've got the wind, you've got the earthquake, and then you've got the fire. I mean, I, I think of the, the group that, one of Tammy's favorite groups, Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and, you know, they, they kind of got things shifted around, you know, but it should have been wind, earthquake, and fire. Um, and and what, what, what's the significance of that? It's a threefold progression. And I think that God was showing him what he was, what God was about to do, and what Elijah was supposed to partner with. And I think this wind, this earthquake, and this fire is something that we're going to be encountering. And it's 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 the same threefold progression of prophecy, seal of fulfillment, but in in an international way. I think that God is saying that the prophets that he's bringing alongside, the young ones, those that are hidden that are going to be coming, and, and from this house um, and our network, the, the significance of what God says for us to do in the, in the wind of his spirit and the pro- proclaiming of things is going to have a, an incredible effect, even to the degree of breaking rocks, Things that have been hit, things that have been congealed for years, that are so set that 
people would think it would never change. Those things are happening now, and prophetically, we need to be ready for it. And in the earthquake, in the seal of measure, where we're going to see in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the valley, things just being um, moved up and down and turned in the way they should be. And then the fulfillment of that would be the fire, that function, that dunamis, that judgment and burning, the burning there, and the dunamis there, or the hapto of the igniting, taking hold of the hem of the garment, is the function of what God wants. We're going to see that in incredible ways. And, and we, need to, we need to reposition our thinking um, in alignment with what we've learned about the promise seal and the fulfillment. We need, to, we need to be looking at the effect that God, is as he sends us into the nations in a broader way than we've ever known, we need to recognize this factor. As God passes by, as Yahweh passes by, this is what is ahead for us. And so uh, it's, it's the same principles, it's the same God, but in the timetable of God, it's time for things to really be manifested in, in amazing ways. We need to also remember that, um, uh, that our mission as saints and as intercessors remains the same, and we need to guard over that. This is why the mantle being wrapped around his head, which we've ministered on throughout the years, is, is extremely vital for us that um, God's not giving you a new mantle. God is causing that mantle to, to not only be used to shut out the things that the world would try to convince you to do instead of what God's called you to do, but also being wrapped around his head speaks of a measure of authority beyond what he had. Authority, not only in Israel, in Judah, but in Syria, in Assyria, and in the, in the uttermost um, parts that God would want to affect. So this was a heightened measure of authority. But let's talk, though, as I, as I promised to do, about this still, small voice. Now, and, and everything we've taught about this has been true, um, it does take us um, shutting out other very chaotic noises to be in a position to hear what God's saying. God's not going to compete with the loudness that you welcome into your life. And so we, we always have to be careful that what God is saying is first and foremost. And... Um, as we learned in Sunday school, to, to accept that as, as our set mission. And so that truly is a factor. Um, and, and we also need to clarify that still small is not just, is not a colloquialism, colloquialism to, to speak about something that's tiny, like itty-bitty or um, <laughs> teeny-weeny or <laughs> something yellow polka dotted. You know, we, we, can't, we can't think of it as, as just, oh man, that's itsy bitsy. You know, we, we, can't, we can't speak of it in the way that the little spider that goes up the water spout, 
These are two significant words, and they mean something very special. How God was speaking to him was in alignment with what we've just said, but there was really an empowerment in the still and in the small that Elijah needed to have in a greater way than he had had. Let's talk about small first. You know, small was used to describe something that was um, not just small in quantity or in size, but it was it was a word that was used to describe the grinding down of something to make it contrite, the grinding down of something to make it um, very fluid, in in um, very movable. It was also used to describe the process that was used to make a piece of fabric or a garment very, very thin. And I, I thought of the, the white linen of the saints to where we are, we, we're covered with that sha'al, but let it be as thin as it can be. So uh, there's, there's, there's the, the least amount that could separate us when we meet with God in that intimate place from him. And so this word small really does speak of the, the quality of something being fine or being, being very veneer, very thin. And that's, that's something that, that I believe that God is, is wanting from all of us, that our relationship with him, we would cherish that close commune with him, how we're known in the Sha'al of kings, um, where we commune with God in that point of partnership and we ask of him that we would be so quick to be able to glean exactly what he's saying, that there would be no impediment, even in the secret place, the covering, the identifying, the, the identifying garment would be there, but it would be, it would just be uh, as as minimal as possible, so that we would be closer to God, and and I think that perhaps uh, as much as Elijah had used that wonderful empowerment, God was wanting him to let it be refined to an even greater degree, and I think that's happening in us. I think no matter how you've walked in Sha'al with God, no matter how you've walked in that in that garment. Of, of intimacy before the Lord. I, I believe that God is wanting to even make that, uh, make that more pliable, to make that more, um, more uh, minimal uh, in, in, its, in its point of separation between you and the God who's coming to, to know you. Or even with our intercession, if it, if it could be that, that the, the incense of the saints needing to be contrite if it's been fine, may it be ultra-fine. That's the meaning of this word small. But still, still has an, another significant meaning. Still, in, in the usage, uh, its original usage was always used as a contrast to something that was bombastic, that that in the midst of lots of explosiveness, in the midst of lots of, of demonstrations of this or that, when still was used, it, it would 
would, would either cause the, whatever the clamor was to be stilled <laughs> or, or it was to, to separate yourself from the clamor so that you could be in a place, dare I say, of hiddenness in the midst of the storm, as it were, in the center to where God's presence is, no matter what's going on around you. And this word, if you look it up, you'll see that it was used in one of the most climactic battles Israel ever faced under the, under the leadership of Joshua. This word was used to describe when Joshua commanded the sun to stand still and the moon to be in its place. And the Bible says that that had never happened before and that, that exact thing would, would, would not happen. It never had it been known that God would hear that, that command to be still. And, um, but, but it happened that day. And, and I believe that be still and know that I'm God. God wants us to recognize not only the, the setting aside so that you can put away the things around you that would be competing for your attention or would try to divert you or to, or to cause your, your decision-making in the Lord to be corrupted in any way. But it's also a word of, of power that interrupts the moment and says, thus says the Lord, no matter what's going on around, this is what God says. So the still small voice was the way that God was speaking to him with that mantle wrapped around his head. And God had just shown him the Lord, Yahweh, passed by. And God had just shown him the power of the wind, the power of the earthquake and that seal of facet, the fire of function as a result. This is what God said was going to happen. And if you read those scriptures, we'll talk about them just a little bit, of what was coming, it was going to be vastly different than what Elijah had known in the past. But God, God did that demonstration, and then he speaks to him in the still small. I think it's very interesting, too, that it was very clear that Yahweh was not in the stones breaking. Yahweh was not in the earthquake. Yahweh was not anywhere in the demonstration. Yahweh was the cause of the demonstration. And we've got to, we as saints need to be mature enough that we aren't carried away by manifestations or to make that the focal point because God is, that, those are a result of God. If we focus on them, we'll never see them. But if we focus on him, the result of them will be that these things will happen. And that's always a competition. That's what we've said, that nothing ruins the momentum of the church more than success. Um, and that's just true. Success corrupts if you're not careful. The plowman will never overtake the reaper if the reaper is, um, is too jubilant in, its, in his reapings. So I, I see this, and it's, it's very, very interesting. Now, after, after this happens, though, Elijah, and I'm not faulting him, because I, I, listen, 
I have a very heady respect for what this atmosphere, when God begins to turn the page of his timetable, when, when we are being adjusted and moved into um, uh, a, a, a more advanced measure of responsibility, I have a great respect for what kind of effect this has. And it, it's not jubilation. It, we, we are being made smaller. We are, we, are being, uh, we are being trained to shut out the chaos into that stillness. And, and that is a discipline. And, you know, even after what God did uh, with the, well, the angel, <laughs> with the angel feeding Elijah, even after what God did with this, the rocks being broken by the wind and the earthquake and then the fire coming down, even after that, Elijah was still clinging on to that the effect of the, the atmosphere of change on, on his life. And I pray that in these days, we can be still and small, relying on the mantle of what God's asked us to be, and do away with the expressions that we have felt so often, I know I have, where you just, you just, you, you feel the sweep of change. You sense it with every fiber of, of the Spirit of the Lord within you, and it is of God, but our mind and our emotions can misinterpret that to think it's over for me. It's done now. And you know, that's one of the problems that is inherent with the Elijah and then the Elisha's coming. Because, you know, usually, go up thou bald man is what's said. You know, look at that old dude over there. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not anything. This is the hip place. This is where it is. That, that feeling touches every area of the spirit realm. And we've got to rise above it. We cannot find, it's, it's as if God tolerated Elijah saying it once. It's just like what Moses did and, 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 and others. But then even after God said, okay, this is what I'm going to do in you and in the spirit realm and in, in, in an international, international way, I'm showing it to you. And now I'm speaking to you on, on behalf of your mantle in a still, small way. I'm making it very clear how I'm needing to change you and how you're going to be used. We need to reflect on that, and we need to do everything we can not to say the same stuff that we felt early on in this process. Are you hearing me? It's so easy. Listen, Elijah and Moses, even, you know, it carries you back then to why Elijah and Moses came to meet with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was perfect. He hadn't failed anything. Not once. He was, he was pristine in every way without sin. And yet in that mount of transitioning, transformation, transfiguration, why the perfect Jesus had to endure that? What was that atmosphere? Why was the enemy fighting it so much down at the base of that hill? And why were Elijah and Moses there? We've talked about it over and over again. Even Jesus 
had to, in the timetable of the Father, transition. We're there. We're blessed to be there. But let's not miss the mandate of the still small, and let's not miss the mandate of that commitment of the mantle. We're not throwing it away for a new flashy one that wicks moisture. We are, we are moving forward in that. And so it's interesting then that God, as we've said, there are still many years to go before the chariot comes and whisks him away. Um, God tells him to do three things. And I want to talk about this for a minute because you need to see this. God says, um, well, let's, let's read it just so you don't think I'm um, making it up. Uh, verse 15, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you come, anoint Hazael to be the king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elijah, the son of Shaphat, and of Abel-Meholah, <laughs> shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So it says in verse 19, he departed thence and found Elisha. Now why is this significant? Because if you read the Bible, which I am assuming you all do, we don't have any record of Elijah anointing Hazael and no record of him anointing Jehu. Who did this? Well, Elisha went to Hazael. You can read that. It's a very interesting thing. And he talked to him. It's, it's, it's a curious story. Hazael was a, a leader in that nation. He had military uh, capacities. And he was sent by the king there to inquire of prophet whether he, the king would, would be, uh, recover from an illness. Um, and this was a leprous kind of a condition. And Elisha meets him and says, you know what? You're, you're going to be the king. And then Elisha starts to weep. And, and Hazael says, why are you weeping? And he says, because I can see what you're going to do to my people. I can see how you're going to do this. But this was what God said Israel had brought themselves to. Now, with Jehu, who was most famous for his, his driving ways, I don't know if he had gardening gloves when he was driving real fast in his chariot or not, but um, Elijah, didn't, Elijah didn't even go. Elijah didn't do it. Elijah didn't do it. Elijah sent a, a, a son of one of the prophets, we don't even know this guy's name, with a box of oil to anoint Jehu. And then he did it in private, and the scripture says, I'll put it in Texan terms, skedaddle out of there as soon as you do it. Now where's, if you ever want to see a measure of humility in the prophet, it's here. Because I mean, if you're, if you're going to be sent to a guy that is basically going to destroy Baal out of the land, you should read about Jehu. I mean, he, he, 
he, he said, you know what? I'm going to worship Baal. I'm going to be the greatest worshiper of Baal ever. We're going to have a big Baal feast. And I want all you people who love Baal to come, and we're just going to put him back in the place that he belongs. So all these people come, and Jehu says, all right, kill them all. Get them all out of here. <laughs> That's amazing. God was in these two men even though they did some very strange things. But Elijah, we don't have record except for Elisha. We don't have record of him anointing either one of these guys. It was Elisha or somebody acting very, um, uh, very unceremoniously on Elisha's behalf doing the anointing. Do you see this? The power of these words now, another interesting study, which I don't want to go too far on to, but um, Jehu did a lot of great things. And, and basically, what these two men did was judge Israel and Judah and just really scourge them for the things that they had done in worshiping the demonic. And God was not pleased. They brought it upon themselves. A lot of people have problems with this when they read the scripture. You just wait till the days of judgment that are coming. Um, but but these, these folks, they, they left God and were worshiping the demonic, and they brought this on themselves. These were the types of things that Elijah was being prepared. You, you want to talk about a wind breaking rocks and earthquakes and fire? This is what we're seeing in a way that had not been seen in Elijah's ministry to this point. This was a moment of transition. And then Elisha, taking the, the double portion of the spirit of Elijah, that, was, that really was, you know, I have to do the task that Elijah was supposed to do, and I have to do the task that I'm supposed to do. And I don't believe that it was God's will for that to happen, but God allowed it. God went on to do what he, what he was going to do. Now, you know, there was an interesting, another factor with Jehu, and this was what I was going to touch, but you can study this yourselves. One thing that God, the one thing that God did not tolerate with Jehu was in, in the northern kingdom, in Dan and in Bethel, they, they, had, they had made golden calves and put them at the entry point into the place of worship. Very similar to what Israel built, uh, constructed at the, mount, at the bottom of the mount when Moses was getting the, 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 the commandments for the first time. And um, the, the people made this. Uh, I read uh, a, an, a document that was prepared by one of the, a, a Jewish scholar who was on, Staff, uh, uh, is on the faculty of Yale, and he was writing about this calf cult. And he was saying that from what he could determine, the people were, were somewhat unsteady about coming before Elohim. It scared them, so they, they either made themselves Elohim, which the scripture says people are, or they, they worshiped demons to fulfill that place. But they, they all wanted Yahweh. They all wanted to see action. They all wanted to see, you know, dynamic things happen. And um, 
you know, even in Wall Street, you know, you have the bull market. And we, we, is it the bull or the bear market? What is it? And the, the bull is that really bombastic going forward. It's not holding up. It's, it's going forward. And so the northern kingdom made these, these idols to really celebrate what they believe was the victories of God in the battlefield, which is really what Israel did. They, they said that they were, they were doing this when they came out of Egypt to celebrate how that God had defeated the Egyptians and that they had been brought through. They liked that action. They, they liked seeing the Red Sea broke open. They liked having all the earrings and all the, 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 the money that they got uh, when, they, when they left Egypt. And so the enemy influenced them to, to do that. And Jehu, being a man of action and fast driving, he didn't have a whole lot of problem with those two wicked idols up there. There's a lot of people in the church today that they won't worship a golden calf, but they sure like what it represents. And, you know, God, God never liked that, you know. And that, that's the problem that Jehu had. And, um, but, but the point, though, for these, these two men was that God had appointed them to absolutely touch that whole region, specifically the, the, the northern and the southern kingdoms. And this was what Elijah was being prepared for. Now, how does that apply to you and me? How does that apply to where we are as saints? I think that what we've known has been a wonderful pathway with God. I know that. You know that. And we've seen him work tremendous miracles. We've seen him provide for us. We've seen him preserve us. We've seen him put the enemy to flight in miraculous ways. We've seen and experienced the faithfulness of God in, in dynamism. So precious has he been to us. But I think we all know that when we read what the Scripture says about the saints in the end times, there, is a, there, there are going to be some dramatic things that God is going to do through the saints that have not been done to this point. I think anybody can read that and see it. And God's been training and preparing us for it. We're, and with Moses, he was on the verge of the people going into the promised land. And God wanted him to speak to the rock. And that, that wind coming from him, as directed by the right hand of God, would have broken that rock open and water come out. And God said that that would sanctify God before the people, if he would do that. And um, Moses kept doing things the old way and really gave way to the atmosphere. But the same type of new things that God was speaking to Elijah about, Moses was, was supposed to be being permitted to do. I can only imagine what it would have been like with Moses and Elijah working together in that land of promise. How they would have affected the cities that they came to. How they would have then affected the nations. I believe they, 
you know, they would not have bogged down, as the angel of the Lord said when he came up from Gilgal when Joshua died. Um, but the point, though, is that God wanted things that would, were going to be different than what they know based upon the principles that he taught them and their identity, but there is a heightened measure of what we're to be. And that's what we've got to emerge from this time frame with. And I, I, I believe that, you know, you can then see that Elijah and Elisha worked together with the, the, the camps of the prophets and the circuitous uh, measure of how he was training these 7,000 and others. You can see that, that um, these, these prophets, many of them unnamed, were, were speaking things to kings and leaders of nations, and God was honoring those words. If there was ever a time where the prophets are martyria, it's what we're coming into. And um, I, I, think that, I think that for us, though, in these, these waning minutes of this transitional period, as the breakthrough is about to be upon us, um, we need to take careful consideration of eliminating any type of woe is meism that is prevalent in the dying of one season going into the new. We also need to be very careful that we cherish the mantle. We prayed about it past uh, Wednesday night and, and as a network yesterday that what we're called to be as saints and what we're called to be as the ecclesia, what we're called to be in diversities of tongues and in and serving the Lord in the way that he created us and gifted us to serve and that we would be willing to partner with him as his spirit moves and transition hand changing hands occurs. We cherish that. That's the way God has used us. That's the way he's formed us. That's what he said in the church. So we cherish that. We, we will not abandon that. But we really need to go before the Lord and ask him, am I small enough? It's, it's that old. He's going to increase. We've got to decrease. Which John the Baptist, the greatest prophet born to women, said very clearly, am I still enough? Listen, it's, it's, very, it, it's a gifting to be able to view the things that we're seeing almost daily, uh, uh, um, amazing things happening geopolitically. Uh, wait till we start seeing things, the true signs in the heavens, and wait till we start seeing the miraculous demonstrations on earth. Are we going to be able to still ourselves in the midst of that? Are we? That's, that's a, oh yes, of course we will. <laughs> Pride comes before a fault. I'm speaking to myself. I'm, I'm really going before the Lord and asking, Father, let me be still small in a way that's needed for what's coming. And, and let, let, us, let us be ready to minister to leaders of nations, which Haziel responded to. Let us be ready to minister within the church that God has called us to be an apostolic voice into. Uh, you know, I can't even imagine 
What, what Can you imagine this, Jehu going and saying, okay, you know, we just saw Elijah kill 850. Um, everybody, let's, I'm going to worship Baal more than Ahab, Jezebel, them put together. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, I'm going to worship Baal. How, how are we going to be able to purge through the power of the Spirit the worship of the, of the world system out of the church? How, how, this is what the scripture says happened. I, 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 how are we going to be humble in that? How are we going to be able to be precise, still, small, to be able to do what God says to do? This is a big, this is a big part of this transitional moment. It's an exciting part, but we have to see it. So again, it's not, you know, and, and I think it's true what we've taught in the past, certainly the idea about the mantle around the head, or remind, remind, reminding ourselves of what God has called us to be, shutting out other opinions. That is true. But after all these years, God waits for this transitional moment to focus in on the need to be still and small. We need this. And, and it's a good thing. I release this into my life and into this house and into each of you and into our brothers and sisters. Um, you know, even so many illustrations. You've been watching what's going on in Ukraine. And our hearts break as we see those little children weeping as they're separated from their parents and their, you know, bombs are hitting indiscriminately and missiles. Uh, the other night when... Those Russians were, 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 were sending explosives into the largest nuclear plant in Europe. I mean, I think you would have to be comatose not to have heard about that and, and really had some kind of a response. Are we going to be able to see that dynamism going on and be in a position to be still? to know what God would say, and to trust him. This is what we must be because it's going to get worse than those things. We're going to win. It's going to be triumphant. We're walking with the Lord. We're privileged to see the things of the Scripture as they are being portrayed before our very eyes. But we must submit ourselves to the Lord and be ready. So I, you know, I wasn't really even thinking. I, I was obviously thinking about these things before uh, the message today. I was studying about it. I was really enjoying reading about that cult of of uh, the cult of the calf, they call it, and it was a really big thing in the Northern Kingdom. I bet many of you probably haven't heard anything about it, but it was big. You thought it was done away with when Moses came down with the fifteen ten commandments. Um, you thought it was done away with then. No, they resurrected it back again. Man, you know, Aaron on the one hand, he says, you know what, uh, I forged this, I graved it. On the other hand, I threw the gold in and it came out. I think it was a little of both. Um, that's, that's a fascinating thing. And I think it has merit for where we are today. But I wasn't really thinking about saying, 
you know, we, we need to fast particularly as we come before this seminar about the stillness and the smallness that we would have the ability to communicate with God. See, still small does not mean this is just the way God spoke. It's how he spoke. And if we want to hear God, we've got to be small and we've got to be still because this is the frequency that our God in these days is broadcasting on. And so I think that we as individuals need to go before the Lord and say, how do you want me to align myself with this? What do you require of me? How do you want me to fast? Because remember, fasting is more like what Dennis was saying earlier, it's more about you than it is about God. We don't fast to get God's attention. We don't fast to make God do something that we've been unable to get him to do. We fast that fast of meekness so that we will be vulnerable to God in a way that he needs us to be so that we can move with him. And, and so I think that over this week, we need to really be before the Lord in, as individuals saying, I submit myself to you. I, I want to be what you need me to be as we emerge out of this transitional moment into the points of kingdom visitation. And so be in prayer about that. And... Um, you know, network folks, we invite you to consider this and do what the Lord would say for you to do as well. And um, it's exciting to see this. I was so blessed to, to see this because, you know, we've been talking about Elijah and Elijah for a long time. And we've been talking about transition for a long time. And we've been talking about the, the young Elisha's coming for a long time. Um, we're needing, we're needing not only them, but we're needing all these other prophets, the ones that aren't named, and and we're we're needing to be ready to impact nations as God directs us to them. Anyway, I could just keep going, which I, I need to stop. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your spirit, that continually yearns to guide us into deeper measures of your truth. Thank you for showing us these things today and help us to align ourselves with what your spirit is wanting to do through them. And I, I thank you, Lord, for your long-suffering and your patience with us. I thank you for that with me and I, I ask you, Lord, that, that if there is anything yet in us that is not cleansed for the great new harvest of wine that you're going to be releasing, let, let, let us be what you need us to be. Reveal it to us, Father. But let us be still and let us be small so that we can hear what 
that voice is conveying from you. And let us be so so secure in the calling you've given us that no matter what's happening around us, we will, we will know your voice and that your voice triumphs over it all. Help us to be small. Let us decrease so that you might be able to use us. Let our incense be more concrete contrite than it ever has been, a finer dimension of it than ever. We love you, Father. I speak blessing over your people today, and um, I, I thank you that although my words were insufficient, it's your spirit upon them that will do its work in conjunction with your, your word. And I release your word, and I welcome your spirit to do its perfect work in us in this peculiar time. And I thank you for it, Father. We love you, and we speak this forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in. And um, have a wonderful week. And let's just keep enjoying him. Amen.